He's a member of the African Christian Lawyers Fellowship. He is also chief executive officer of the Protestant Medical Assistance. He is the African representative for Global Partners in Hope. Please help me welcome Daniel and Fatimata Tara. We welcome you to the college. And last but not least, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine who I've known for years. Um, it's his probably uh, unfortunate happenstance that we actually met here at Crown College. Uh, he was the missionary in residence. Back then we called them something else. Um, but uh, Ian Vickers is the CEO of Global Partners in Hope and currently is uh, in partnership with Crown College and they do incredible work around the world. And this is one of our graduates who has gone out from this place and made a difference in the lives of people all around the world. Welcome, Ian Vickers. So before I introduce our guest speaker today, um, we have another opportunity this Friday coming up. You can't really see him, but his name is Micah Bornet. I think I got that right. Um, he is a spoken word artist. He's a phenomenal artist, great writer. He's going to be here on Friday, this Friday, September uh, 18th. And he'll also be here Friday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. in the coffee shop. So he'll be doing spoken word. It's an open mic night. You are all invited. The thing is with the open mic, it is only spoken word. So no music or artist or anything like that, but spoken word only, so poetry that is spoken word. Um, and that's 7, p 7 to 9 p.m. on Friday evening. Um, but we also have the great and wonderful uh, opportunity here from Ben Stewart again today. Um, last night, if for those of you that were in chapel, uh, he spoke on Luke 24, and he, he was talking about the burning of the heart and where Jesus lies in that, where our hope lies in that, if we have our doubts or if we don't have our doubts. And if our doubts aren't, aren't in Christ, where are they? Um, and it's really, really cool to hear from Ben Stewart because he has been a friend of mine for the last year and a half. We've heard, I've heard multiple times from him, um, and he is just a wonderful man. His heart burns for the Lord, and you can tell that. His heart burns for Jesus Christ. It burns. You can see it in his eyes whenever you talk to him, whenever he, he, you hear him speak. And it's so cool to hear him um, because he's been a wonderful friend of mine. He's a great teacher and uh, just a phenomenal person. Um, so I'd like to introduce Ben Stewart. Thanks, Josh. I'll give you that $20 later for saying all that nice stuff. It's very, very good. Hey, it's great to be back at Crown College. Um, my name is Ben Stewart, and I currently live and work out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm here with a couple of my friends and team members. Uh, we help lead an organization called Envision. Uh, if you've come out to the national office of the Christian Missionary Alliance, there's, I know every year there's a group of you that come out. You've actually had dinner at my house. Uh, it's been fun to get to know the Crown students in that way, to play ping pong with you guys and Mario Kart and things like that. So if you haven't done that trip before and you're interested, we'd love to have you guys come out. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Crown College is actually part of a broader family here in the U.S. called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's a family of churches. Uh, there's a few other schools like this dotted throughout the country. And Envision is a movement within this family that is very passionate 
about engaging and equipping and really seeing your generation unleashed. To see your generation unleashed to be who it is that God has designed you to be and to do what it is that God has called you to do. And so at Envision, what we do, that's, our, that's um, uh, a lot of the reason of why we exist. Uh, what we do specifically, we have this little phrase that says, we design experiences that move people and shape culture. And so we have a variety of experiences. All of them, most of them are, are global in their scope. Uh, everything from documentaries on what the faith of young adults of today looks like, what their experiences are with faith in the church, their dreams, their hopes, their disappointments, their frustrations. Uh, we have a leadership summit, which is where I met Josh and others in this, in this group every year. Our first year was in Paris and then London, and the next year in May, which I would invite you guys to, is going to be in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, and the whole point of the summit is to say we want to care for the soul and the skill of the young influencer. And then we have uh, 20 sites all over the world, including here in the U.S., where people can go on short-term trips. Some of you guys have done that. Thank you. Uh, you can do up to year-long internships and two-year-long residencies. So the point is we, we design these experiences that we hope God uses to move people in the sense of movement in their own spiritual formation, but also movement in terms of being engaged, like getting involved in God's mission to redeem and renew humanity and creation back to himself. We design these experiences to move people, but we also design these experiences in hopes that God would use them to help shape culture. In other words, to see God's kingdom show up in a very real and tangible way, regardless of, of where the person is. So this is what Envision does at a 30,000-foot level, is we design experiences that move people and shape culture. But I want to just spend a few minutes talking about why. Why do we do this? Why, why do I commit my life to this? I have this fantastic wife, Kathy. We've been married over 14 years, and I have two amazing kids, Eli and Olivia. Uh, we lived in Wisconsin, just your neighboring state, for a long time. Go Packers. Any Pack fans? Okay, I didn't know if I was going to get cheers or, like, stuff thrown at me or maybe both, but... Uh, uh, why, why did I move my family to Colorado Springs? I'm on the road over 100 years a day. I love my family. 100 years a day? 100 days a year. It's a long time. Um, why do I do that? Why am I, why, why am I in vocational ministry? Why do I give myself to this? Uh, the answer for us at Envision, the answer for me personally is this, these two words. Come alive. The, the why for us at Envision, the why for me personally, what wakes me up, what drives me, what the, the, the godly burden and passion that I have in my heart is that in some small way, God will use me, God will use us, God will use Envision to help people come alive. To come alive in their faith. To come alive in, in terms of what it means to follow Jesus. 
We are just as passionate to see what it looks like for the 18-year-old college freshman to come alive in, their, in the context of being a student as we are the 25-year-old who has a calling to go over to Mali, West Africa to be uh, an international worker over there as we're as passionate for the 36-year-old stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad to understand what does it mean to come alive in my faith as I follow Jesus. This is the why for us. This is what drives us. But really, this is the why for us because I believe, biblically, this was a significant passion and invitation, really, that Jesus had for us as his followers to come alive. For a few minutes, I want to look together at John 10. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there or turn it on on your phone or however it is that you do that. John 10, I'm going to read uh, several verses. I'm going to focus on one particular one that many of us maybe are familiar with, and I hope the familiarity doesn't cause us to lose what's being said. If I had more time, we would look at some of the surrounding verses, but I don't want to be, uh, cause you guys to be late for your classes. That would be horrible. So um, we'll zone in on one particular thing. What does it mean to come alive? And, and I want to see Jesus' invitation to us. He says, John 10, verse 1, Truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Here's our key verse. The thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Friends, this, this, is, this is just one text where we see Jesus very directly and specifically inviting us into this abundant life. Inviting us into, I would say, a significant reason why Jesus came in the first place was to provide a, a way and an opportunity and a means in which we can, as his followers, come alive. I want to look at what does it mean to live abundantly? What does it mean to, to come alive? Because there's something really profound here that John is doing as he records the words of Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, there's, there's sort of this baseline understanding of the word life. Uh, typically, when a gospel writer would talk about or use the word life, there was a sense of, of healthiness, a sense of vibrancy and vitality. But with John, in this context, when John is using the word life, when he's recording Jesus' usage of the word life, 
John has what some commentators say a, a, a radicalized uh, usage or a radicalized um, way in which he is communicating abundant life. That yes, John includes, when he says that Christ is inviting us into this abundant life, that yes, it includes vibrancy and health and vitality, but that really what John is talking about when he says, uh, when Jesus says to come into this abundant life, there's, there's two dynamics at play. The first dynamic of what it means to come alive is freedom from the past. Freedom from the past. Which leads to the second, which is an openness to future possibilities. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is, this is really a beautiful description of what Jesus is inviting us into. When he says that I have come that you may have life, but life abundantly, he's not just saying I've come that you may live healthy and live with vitality, but he's saying I have come so that you could come alive in the sense that you are free from the past. You are free from the past wounds abundantly. You are free from the past shame and condemnation abundantly. You are free from sin abundantly. When John is recording the words of Jesus, his invitation to live in this abundant life, what he's saying on the one hand is, I have come that you may live in abundant freedom from the past. But not only that, that you may dream about future possibilities. You see, friends, the truth is that our ability to dream about, to think about, to have desires about future possibilities, that ability is directly linked to how much freedom we live in now from the past. In other words, if we are still owned or paralyzed by past sins, by past shame, by past condemnation, that is going to rob you and steal you and destroy your ability to turn into the future and dream about how are the ways that God wants to unleash me for his kingdom and for his glory. And so this type of freedom that Jesus, or this type of life rather, that Jesus is inviting us into, this understanding of what it means to come alive is not only just a freedom from the past, but that enables us and positions us to be people who dream about and have burdens for God's kingdom for the future. Now, here's another very important distinction about John's usage of this abundant life. Because honestly, you guys, up to this point, this, this, this could be taken as sort of a feel good, pump you up, Monday morning chapel, here we go, rah, 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 almost like Oprah Winfrey-esque self-help talk, right? Like, hey, you're free from your past and have dreams for the future and you're the best generation ever and you, you do you, you go, you, you know, all that sort of stuff. But here's the difference. 
Here's here's what makes Jesus' message about freedom and future possibilities. Here's what makes Jesus' message about abundant life and coming alive different than any other self-help, Oprah Winfrey-esque type of message or identity out there is this. That when John talks about or records the words of Jesus about coming into abundant life, it is all based in It is all centered on the historical person of Jesus Christ. At the center of the abundant life, at the center of this invitation to you and I to live in freedom, an overabundance, that's what what abundant life is, an overabundance of freedom, and the ability to dream liberally and freely about future possibilities that is only centered in and flows from the historical person of Jesus Christ. So if for a moment we are tempted to believe that we experience freedom as a result of whatever self-pleasure we can get from the world, if, if we're tempted for a moment to believe that we can experience freedom and a sense of fulfillment from whatever success or reputation we can achieve. If we believe for a moment that we can experience freedom from this, from a relationship or sex or some sort of substance that feels really good or whatever it may be, the truth is, friends, if we are chasing these things and looking to these things as our source of freedom, then we will be sorely disappointed. Because true freedom What really frees you from past shame, what really frees you from past lies, what really frees you from past condemnation, what really frees you from past sin is not a substance, not a relationship, not sex, not success, not a career, not a family, but the real historical person of Jesus Christ. That's what frees you. That's who frees you. And any desire, any burden, any drive that we have to turn as a result of that freedom to now look to future possibilities is only grounded in Jesus Christ. When Jesus is inviting us to come alive, when he's inviting us to turn towards this future possibility, he's not talking about the American dream. He's not talking about the 1.5 kids in my nice suburban house and my two vehicles and my three-car garage. He's not talking about that future possibility. He's not talking about a specific context or a specific vocation. He's talking about a, a future possibility that the Lord has freed us for is a future that is grounded in and centered on him. Him. Any other future that chases, other, chases after anything other than the person of Jesus Christ isn't worth chasing after. So when John talks about this idea of coming into abundant life, th- these words of Jesus that he captures, he's not just talking about this feel-good, self-help idea that says, be free from the past and be open to future possibilities. You can hear that anywhere. What distinguishes it is that this message is grounded in the historical person of Jesus Christ. That our freedom, we have no freedom except for the fact 
that Jesus lived in history. He lived a real life of perfect righteousness that you and I could never live on our own. He, he suffered and he died a very real death, a physical death where he took upon himself the wrath of God that you and I so obviously deserved. He historically rose from the dead. I know it's funny that I'm saying these things at a chapel at a Christian college, but friends, we can't, there's certain things about our faith that we can't assume anymore. And, and, and growing in our evangelical culture here in the U.S., we can't assume that as followers of Jesus, we believe that Jesus not only actually lived and that he actually died, but he actually rose again. He did. He rose again, and in rising again, he defeated the power of death and sin, and he introduced to us the ability to come alive. And the historical person of Jesus Christ not only lived a perfect life of righteousness that you and I could no longer live, he not only died a real and very painful death, he not only rose in a very real and powerful way, but he also ascended back to the throne and now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. Friends, this, he is the true source of freedom and future possibilities. And if we look to anything other than the life of righteousness that he lived on our behalf, the death and the sacrifice that he took upon himself, the power that came through his resurrection, and the finality of sitting at the right hand of the Father, if we look to anything else, other than the historical person of Jesus Christ, we will be found wanting. So what it means to come alive then, friends, the passion that we have, the reason why Envision is designing experiences that move people and shape cultures because we hope that in some small way, God will use us to see people like you come alive, to be free from the past, and to have an openness to future possibilities. Now, if you look at the greater context of this passage, though, you hear that Jesus talks about, he uses the word multiple time, voice, voices. He talks about his voice, his voice as the shepherd, his voice as the door into this abundant life. But he also talks about other voices. He talks about the voice of the robber, of the thief, and the truth is, friends, there are thieves in our lives that work very hard to rob us of this. There are thieves in our lives that would love to steal from us this, this not just sense of, but reality of being free and open to the future. For me, maybe for you, one of those voices is insecurities. Maybe I'm only the only insecure person in this room, I don't know. Maybe you all just grew up with great families and you're all really loved perfectly and you have a great sense of security about yourself. One of the voices in my life that would love to rob me of how free I am in the person of Jesus Christ 
of the future that God has designed for me in the person of Jesus Christ is insecurities. These insecurities that I don't have what it takes. These insecurities that I'm not good enough to be in the role that I'm in. These insecurities that I'm not worthy. I think if we're honest with ourselves that in different ways, on different levels, all of us have insecurities that are speaking, that are voices in our ears or in our hearts or in our minds that are trying to rob us and steal us of this abundant life. Maybe they're actual voices currently or from your past. And they've evolved from just insecurities to actual identity lies. And you're starting to believe, yeah, I'm actually not good enough. I'm not lovely. I'm not beautiful in the eyes of God. How could God love me? How could God desire to use me in some way for his kingdom? And so what we tend to do with these insecurities and with these identity lies is we either tend to be uh, overcompensate these insecurities, and you know somebody who overcompensates for their insecurities, right? We all have people in our lives who we know overcompensates for their insecurities. They're the person who comes strutting in the room with the chest, you know, out, they're loud, they're big, they're arrogant, and really, typically, the person who's the most annoying because they're arrogant is the person who's most hurting and most insecure in their life. Because the way that they're trying to deal with the voice in their life about the insecurities and the identity lies is they're trying to overcompensate for those insecurities. And rather than entering into this freedom that Christ secured for them and this openness to future possibilities that God designed for them, they're overcompensating for these identity lies and these insecurities and they're listening to those voices rather than the voice of the shepherd. So they overcompensate. Or we get paralyzed. I think, I think, honestly, there's a lot of followers of Jesus that find themselves in this category. I think especially in our generation. We, we get frozen. We get stuck. We like this idea about future possibilities. We like this idea about dreaming about the future, but to actually move into that space, to actually move forward and walk into this future that God has designed for us, we, we're just incapable of doing that because there's certain things that have paralyzed us from going into there. And so for some of us, the way that we respond to the insecurities, the way that we respond to the identity lies is simply to become stuck because we actually haven't really received and lived in the freedom that Jesus Christ secured us, and so therefore it's impossible for us to move forward. So maybe for some of us, that's where you find yourself. There's an honest, deep longing in your heart to come alive, to be free to move forward in the direction that God has for you, but you are just stuck. So we can overcompensate for these identity lies. We can overcompensate for these insecurities, or we can be paralyzed by these insecurities. We can become stuck because we've so believed and ingrained into our minds these lies about who we are. Or a third option is we can name them. We can identify them. 
and say with honesty and authenticity, yes, you know what? I'm not good enough. Me and who I am in and of myself is completely inadequate. I identify that insecurity in my life. But that drives me to a place where I humble myself before God and say, but by your spirit, by your spirit, through you, Jesus Christ, I live in this freedom that you have secured for me. Not that I am striving for, not that I am fighting for, not that I'm trying to secure in my own effort, but that you, Jesus, have secured for me and empowered by you, Spirit, in your strength, with your ability, with your giftedness and empowerment, I move into this future possibility that you have for me. Friends, my hope for you, our hope for you at Envision is that in your faith, in whatever context and whatever calling and whatever vocation God has given to you, that you will come alive. Whether you end up being a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom, whether you being a career business person, whether you end up being a missionary, whether you end up being a pastor, whether you end up being a teacher, that in that space and in that context that people will say, there is a person who has experienced real freedom. I want that freedom. You know what they're really saying? I want Jesus. That they will see there is a person who is moving into a future possibility They have direction, they have passion, they have burdens, they have a sense of urgency for God's kingdom, not for themselves. I want that urgency. You know what they're really saying? I want Jesus. So friends, would you receive the invitation of Christ to live abundantly? Would you receive the invitation of Christ to come alive? That in him, you would experience real freedom from the past and an openness to future possibilities. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for these students. And Lord, my my hope for them is that we would hear stories about their lives that we would hear stories about how uh, you use them for your glory and for your namesake and for your kingdom all over the world, including here. God, if there are some who on the surface are living like they're free, but in reality they're not, would you free them, God? <laughs> would they realize that in you, Christ, freedom is available to them? that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That the power and the penalty of sin is dead in their life. God, if they're doing a great job just faking it, pretending like everything is good and right and free and fulfilling, but inside they're dying and they're suffering, God, would, would you speak your freedom over them right now? If they feel stuck, if they feel directionless, paralyzed, would you know that, would they know, God, that in in you, 
There is a future that you have for them that is right and beautiful, that is centered on you, Christ, and not on them. And would you guide them, Spirit, into that future? We thank you, Christ, for your life, your death, your resurrection, and your ascension that makes this coming alive a real thing. And we thank you, Spirit, that you empower us to live this life. That this is not a self-help, pump me up. But this is you, Spirit of God, living in us. And so would we leave this place filled with your Spirit, centered on you, and our eyes fixed upon you, Father, in your name. Amen. Hey, guys, God bless. Thanks for having us here. We've got a table outside if you want to come hang out with us. Enjoy your next class. Otherwise, feel free to hang out. Take care. For every curse, your